Hello, and you are listening to the dollop. Hey, wow. I'm emotional. Wow. Uh, this is American History Podcast. Each week I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about, David. Oh, boy. What? I was just hoping for a little more professionalism. Well, this is this is just juice, okay? Okay. <laughs> God, you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. <laughs> a bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Eighteen fifty-nine. Wait. Wait. This podcast is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers over at Patreon. Thank you. Yeah. Very kind. Very sweet. Yeah. Uh, eighteen fifty-nine. Oh, you guys already heard. Yeah, that was kind of let down. In 1859, the discovery of petroleum in western Pennsylvania caused a surge in drilling in the state. Oh, boy. Drill, baby, drill. Girl, more petroleum allowed oil refiners to bypass oil from coal patents that currently existed. Well, I don't know if my brain can handle that, but okay. So they're using, they're making, up till this point, they're making. Easier to get oil. Well, they're making oil from coal, and now they're getting it from the fucking ground. Okay, better. Um, so the lighting oil industry in the U.S. Uh, completely switched over to petroleum in the 1860s. Okay. Right? Yeah. Standard Oil, founded by John D. Rockefeller in Ohio, became a multi-state trust and came to dominate the petroleum industry in the U.S. Then. Uh-oh. Are you, are you excited already? That was a good then. Thank you. That's a turn. Something's about to happen. Then. Ugh. In 1889, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court decided on the rule of capture. Okay. This ruling said petroleum was a fugitive substance. Oh, boy. Like wild game. What? That that moves below the surface of the earth. They're calling oil an underground animal? Well, they're saying it's like a chicken, an underground chicken. <laughs> I, I can't wait to find out exactly why. A wild, this is a wild chicken. A wild chicken. More like a turkey. Yeah, a wild turkey's in the earth's mantle. So gases like quail. Yep. Under, yep, exactly. Fair. Perfect. The court declared that, quote, if an adjoining or even a distant owner drills his own land and taps your oil so that it comes into his well under his control, it is no longer yours but his. I believe we call that the I drink your milkshake law. I think that is. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, so you could just basically you could drink another's milkshake. Right. So if you had if your land, if from your land you could drill down and get someone else's oil, it's your oil. If your straw could reach a mug of another malt shake, you could drink it. That's correct. I drink your milkshake. In the state of Texas, the state of Texas, they had long known about the oil beneath them, but it was seen as a problem instead of a bonanza. Because it was just a problem when they drilled for water. So you're, 
<laughs> they're like, God damn it, this money's getting in the way of the water. <laughs> it wasn't worth anything at that point, so they would drill for water and they'd be like, fuck, it's oh, oil. God, God, get it out of here. This was a time when you said, fuck, it's oil. Oh, it is, but we, you know, it's funny is that we're probably getting closer back to the time when the drilling for the water will be the most important part. So. <laughs> that is true. A rancher named William Wagoner. Like, I, I have a real hard time believing his last Wagoner? name is actually Wagoner. Yeah. But he came, probably came over and was like, I'm going to change my name. I'm in a wagon. I'm the Wagoner. Yeah. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like one of those black, a black and white show. This week on the Wagoner. It does sound like a black and white show. Thank you. So William Wagoner struck oil while drilling for water, and he said, quote, I wanted water, and they got me oil. I tell you, I was mad. Mad clean through. Whoa. So you can see how upsetting it was to people. He, his bowels emptied. In 1886, George Dolnig was upset that he struck oil when looking for water. His well produced 48 barrels of crude per year. Oh, my God. And that made him total profit of about $7 uh, a year in present-day money. Oh, my God. Uh, 48 barrels of oil back then. $7. $7. Today. Uh. But after the Civil War, oil production kicked off in Texas, right? So everything changes. They actually start using petroleum for, they were refining it and using it in lands right. and stuff. it was valuable. The first oil field that made a lot of money was developed in 1894 near Corsicana. Uh, that caused more exploration around the state. In January of 1901, Spindletop Hill in East Texas erupted, shooting oil 150 feet into the air. Drilling contractor Anthony Lucas was quoted as saying, Keep the people back and don't let them smoke. Don't let any of them smoke. It's smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually found people saying that over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, don't smoke. Every single time an oil well goes off, everyone's like, you guys, put them out. Well, this is before they invented the sign. <laughs> Once that, that revolutionized the no smoking around oil business. Signs didn't happen until like yeah. 1950. Oh, pre the pre-sign era. How are we going to say no, though? It just looks like a sign for smoking. Okay, that's fair. I say we put a line through the middle of that circle. Say what? A line right through the middle that almost says don't. So the sign is like saying half this and half that. I, I don't want you in these meetings anymore. You've always been distracting. Fair enough. So it was on, right? This is the big one. Spindletop Hill. 100,000 barrels were being produced daily. Holy shit. 1901. The nearby town of Beaumont started cranking out 50,000 barrels a day within three months jesus christ it was officially a boom town independent oil uh, oil drillers pulled in those oil drillers were called wildcatters 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 okay the name came from a man in pennsylvania who had put a stuffed wildcat on the top of his oil derrick cool that's a cool that's cool i mean at least he's decorating. Yeah, it's something. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is before hood ornaments. Thank Yeah. So you, so put you just one of those stuff a wildcat and shove it on, shove it on your shit. Put it dude. on top of your thing. Yeah. Uh, wildcatters would sell shares in their operation, pitching to investors all over the country. One pitch to the graduating class of Yale, saying, Wait. saying, quote, how would you like to get started by investing $100 in an oil company and have it later worth over $50,000? See, not a lot of people take like a graduation commencement speech as a time to really just make some scratch. Yeah, well, that's the best just time pitch to do it. I, it. Treat it like a timeshare. Thank you. You know? 
Land that was recently cheap was now being bought up for millions of dollars. Now, these are the days before the EPA, obviously, and regulation and well, whatnot. Are we in those days still? Uh, this is what they want to go back to. So this will be an exciting story for people who are into that idea. Yeah, this is Flint. Uh, so historian H.P. Nichols said, quote, The city water of Beaumont back in those days was soupy. It smelled like fish. Everyone soon learned that if the water was used for drinking purposes, that it caused severe stomach cramps or what was locally knows, known as the Beaumonts. Oh, my God. That is amazing. <laughs> well, sorry, what, do you, what did you just say? I got to go to the bathroom. I got a real bad case of the Beaumonts. I've been Beaumonting all morning. Excuse me. That's my name. What's the name of the town? The na- if the name of your town becomes synonymous with diarrhea, yeah. that's a bad town. That's great. Toilet. Well, we're just going to pack up the wagon and take the kids down to diarrhea for the weekend. <laughs> I think you're talking about Beaumont, right? Uh, yeah, but nobody calls it that anymore. <laughs> going to go down there for some diarrhea. You know, uh, fish soup comes out of the tap now. Oh, that's tremendous. Yeah, a nice little miso. Mm, I thought you were talking about Flint. Mm. Toilet facilities being limited, a bad case of Beaumont's called for biddings as high as 50 cents for immediate use of a toilet. Oh, God damn. I'm liking some of the stuff I'm hearing. <laughs> this is just how you make some money in a bad economy. If you have a toilet... You just give in- pe- food poison people and then charge them to shit. Uh-oh, what's Jose doing? He's just fucking draping out. Drapes. Uh, as speculators came, so did scammers. Uh, I'll give you 25, please. I got a shit. 50, 50 cents, please. One time I was in New York City and it hit me. And, you know, New York City's a nightmare. Yeah. So I just bought a ticket to a movie. A great move. Because in New York, you, what I would always do is I'd do the menu move oh, where you yeah. go into a restaurant and you, like, look at the menu. Like, you sell, like, you're, like, you plant the seeds for, like, you're going to order something. So you yeah. walk in, you're like, oh, you guys do have toast. Okay, yeah, I'm going to, all right, I'll go use the bat. And then you just run out when you're done. Yeah. Like, and you run out going, I had the Beaumonts. Yeah, the Beaumonts. But even peeing, you can't, like, in New York, no. you, like, what the fuck, you know. It's the same thing It's here. Starbucks or bust. That's how it was like here. All of a sudden, there's all these people, and there's not that many toilets. And half the people have the Beaumonts. Relatable. Uh, so as the spe- uh, speculators came, so did scam artists, prostitutes, gamblers, saloon owners, and uh, looking, uh, all looking for workers' paychecks. Basically the cast of Deadwood. Yep, here it is. Managers of crappy boarding houses uh, charged riggers a half a day's pay to rent a cot for 12 hours. Wow. Plus, I mean, if you had to use the bathroom for 50 cents, you really, I mean, there's not much upside in this You don't career. have a lot left over. Others cooked dried beans in water and charged 15 cents for a cup. Nauseating gas hung in the air for miles around the town. People packed in and there weren't enough places to live to go around. Families lived in tents. Some had cardboard boxes draped around trees. It's just living, man. That's pretty great. Awesome living. Yeah. Well, look, you don't like a good fort, right? Yeah. When 1914 came, the working uh, man could afford a car, finally. So car production exploded, and so did the demand for oil. The United States was the only country in the world whose oil resources were in private hands. Wow. Yeah. Well, hopefully that doesn't bite us in the ass eventually. (laughs) 
Then in 1917, the Texas legislature passed the Pipeline Petroleum Law. Oh, boy. It designated oil pipelines as common carriers, just like railroad lines. Good. This put the Texas Railroad Commission overseeing petroleum pipelines. Well, now, Dave, (laughs) I don't... I would hate to be one to uh-huh. raise up a red flag. You yeah. know I don't like red flags. Sure. Is are there a lot of crossovers? Uh, well, the fact they that, seem like they're very different things. Well, the one big crossover is the railroad men controlled everything, right? And always got their way, right? But right. that's all I got. Okay, good. That's enough. That is actually plenty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1919, the oil and gas conservation law gave the Railroad Commission authority to enforce conservation and safety rules. Cool. President Calvin Coolidge created the Federal Oil Conservation Board in order to devise a plan to conserve oil for national security purposes. But oil companies said there was no, there were no problems and there was no need for a plan. I love man. You got to. Oil companies have been consistent throughout history, right? They're just the whole time. They're just basically like chill, baby. Chill. We're good. We got this. Chill while we drill, baby. We got this. Don't you worry your pretty little head. Lay down on this pile of money. The American Petroleum Institute sued and had Coolidge's board stripped of any enforcement power. That's crazy that oil sues the president and wins. And wins. Yeah, it's not surprising. And oil production went batshit crazy. All over Texas, they looked for oil, and wildcatters poured in. And of course, with the rush of wildcatters uh, came the uh, captains of fucking horseshit crazy people. Wait, you just mean lunatics showed up? I just made something up right Right. there. Columbus, Columbus, Columbus Marion Joyner uh, only got seven weeks of formal schooling as a kid. That's plenty, though. Honestly, That's what fine, do you need right? to know? No, you got what the you basics, know? right? What do you need to know? You, you, now he knows how to spell his name Maybe. and add yeah. one plus one. Well, Get out there. Get out there. He was taught to read at home only using the Bible. That's <laughs> just... What? Uh, you know, you're just going to end a lot of words with TH and sound kind of fruity. You are going to sound a little weird. Whereeth are they? <laughs> and yet, uh, because, you know, it's America, he practiced law and became a Tennessee legislator. Why the country? It's not. It's fucking insane. Come on. What he did, Dave? He read the Bible a bunch and was in school for seven weeks. Put this man in a high anybody power can, position. Anybody can be a lawyer. They're like, yeah, I can. I got that. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. After losing all his money in the crash of 1927, he started over and moved to Texas and leased several thousand acres in East Texas, where the humble oil company. But the they've been doing the, the the name game has been in the oil like they they've just done so well, they're like preservationist oil. You're like, oh, God damn it. land first oil. I think the humble oil company eventually became Exxon. I might be wrong. Well, uh, where the humble oil company said there was no oil, so he goes and he buys a bunch of land in a place where the oil companies have already written off. Okay. Uh, Joiner was known as Dad. That was his nickname. Weird. Dad. It is weird, right? It's Very a fucking weird. crazy weird nickname. Hey, Dad. Hey, hey Dad. Boys, how you doing? Hey, there's Dad. Hey, yeah, I'm, uh, you're, you're older than me, but you call me Dad. That's right, Dad. Okay. Bye, Daddy. Uh, Give Joyner- me a kiss. Okay. Well, I'm sorry? Kiss your dad. No, it's not that kind of dad. I want uh, to kiss you. Okay, I think you're thinking of Daddy. Let's get out of here. Round him up. 
Joyner had a friend, Joseph Eidelbert Durham. Yep. He had studied medicine. <laughs> One more time. Joseph Eidelbert Durham. Eidelbert. Eidelbert. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, he had studied medicine, worked as a government chemist, prospected for gold in the Yukon, and peddled patent medicines in, quote, Dr. Alonzo Durham's Great Medicine Show. <laughs> I love a, I love a great medicine show. Uh, better than a regular one. If you can, uh, if you can get down to see the new, the new Prozac. Well, that's uh, the thing that's so great about a medicine show is the like two months you have to wait to see if anything's taken hold and worked <laughs> and been effective. Uh, so now uh, he was going. He was no no longer going by Joseph Eidelbert Durham. He was calling himself A. D. Lloyd or Doc Lloyd. Sure, and he was uh, he was telling people he was a trendologist, meaning that he sees trends when they're starting. Yeah, he finds trends. He's a surveyor of trends. He he will go out and discover a trend of some of the thing. That's a really hard job, because a lot of times it's just one shithead. Yeah, yeah. So he's the guy. Great, he's a trend spotter. He drew up a map. Sounds like he could have like a show on Bravo now. Oh, easily. Yeah. They should do the trendologists. Yeah. <laughs> he drew a map of the major oil fields in the U.S. showing trend lines intersecting in East Texas. So he sees that there is a trend of, of oil. Oil. Oil right. trend. Sort of building up there. Yeah, it's all coming together at that place. Yep. He said, quote, I'm not a professional geologist, but I've studied the earth more and know more about it than any professional geologist now alive will ever know. Well, so you can't really nullifies the first part. Well, yeah, but I'm not a geologist. I just am the smartest. I'm not a professional geologist, but I know more than I'm better than them. Right. I drew look at this line. I drew on a map. Look. He came up with a report called geological topographical and petro oh i should know this word petroliferous survey portion of rusk county texas made for cm joiner by ad lloyd geologist and petroleum engineer you so, see he just expanded his uh that's how you actually that's how you actually become something is you just publish something you and say, say it you're enough. it right so now i'm a petroleum engineer well that's i think that's how trump is where he is yeah pretty much i am the president Okay. All right. So Joyner used this report to go around selling shares of his... <laughs> Wait, so his, his propaganda report is like his evidence? So his friend, Captain Fakey, made a fake report about fake stuff, and then now this guy is taken out and saying, look, look at, at this news. And everyone just reads the title and they go, oh, my goodness. Right. It's not a time where you Very can go real. to no. the internet and go, hey, is this A.D. Lloyd guy real? No, no, you just read the title and you yeah. go, that well, looks that's a, the, it's a the fucking... story checks out. Look at that sorry, title. Strong title. I'd be a fool to not grab this opportunity. So he goes around selling shares. Quote, every woman has a certain place on her neck. Whoa, let me... And when I touch it, they automatically start writing me a check. What? I may be Is the he o- strangling them? <laughs> Is that the certain spot? I may be the only man on earth who knows just how to locate that spot. He thinks he found a check nerve? So... Th- <laughs> he's like a... He's like a... A money Vulcan. What? Yeah. <laughs> 
Totally. <laughs> totally. What? What? Okay. I, f- I feel like for the time period, it's weird to say that I go around touching the ladies on the neck. Well, of course they're writing you a check. They're terrified. Yeah, they want you to weird go time. away. Yeah, no, for At sure. that time, you don't walk up and rub a lady's neck. Let me guess. That spot's called the neck, right? <laughs> it's weird how they get unnerved and write me checks. They do just... whatever I say when I pinch their necks hard. Oh, God. Uh... The report also lied, saying major oil companies were actively leasing in the area. So after Joyner got his leases, he talked locals into helping him build a barely adequate wooden derrick. But look, I mean, you know, that's how, like, skateboarding started. Just a bunch of guys with some wooden nails okay. giving it a shot. You're to- you're, that's a great Thank you. parallel sort of... This is like Lords of Dogtown shit. This is exactly Lords of Dogtown. And it's a great parallel, like... Uh, like Business. other, like other great parallels great... that I've drawn on this podcast before. You're the parallelogist. Listen, I've always said that. I'm the analogist. Uh, so um, it really, really, the Derek was just a prop to impress potential investors. Like he just did barely enough that right. people would be like, wow, look at that. You are drilling a well. Right. May I see this well, sir? Well, it's right there. Right there. Squint your eyes and turn around right away. He used secondhand drilling machinery, hired uh, an inexperienced driller, used local farm workers to work as roughnecks. Roughnecks are guys who works on the oil rigs. And I think that's what you call the women after they're done writing checks. They do. They have, yeah. They got a case of roughneck. Uh, And he fed the boiler fire with everything from green wood slabs to used tires. Well, I don't know much, but I'm guessing that's not a good call. Top-notch top notch operation. Right, okay. Just to be sure, the oil companies employed scouts who would go around and report the progress of drilling in wildcat territory. Okay. If oil was found, the companies would immediately buy nearby land. Right. Because of the... The milkshake the, law. Yeah, the milkshake law. As we're and, calling it. Right. Well, I think that's what it is now. Yes. After three years, the scouts had pretty much given up uh, checking in on Joyner's rigs, of which he now had three. They thought he had abandoned the last well he was working on, but it turned out he had just shut it down while waiting for new parts. So they're kind of, they just kind of were like, yeah, that one's not working. If he builds another one, let us know. Okay. So they're not paying attention anymore. So, but what, so if you have, if you have a, if you have one of those and it's not doing shit, is it? Well, yeah, they're even, they, yeah, they're always just kind of drilling, you know? So okay. this one's just sitting there. So they're like, oh, it's. So they're like, whatever. Get, they think he gave up. They right. think he like was like, yeah, there's no And what oil is he doing there. instead? Well, he was just getting new parts. Okay. So he gets the new parts and he gets it going again and he's ready to drill. And people in the area were very excited that he was starting to drill again. So a big crowd came out. Sure. Because uh, you had fuck all to do. Between five to 8,000 people. Oh, my God. Gathered on October 2nd. We really, I mean, think that, how saturated our minds are now with shit to do. I mean, the idea that you would go watch oil, it, like... You're not even watching oil, you're just watching someone yeah, dig a machine. A hole. Yeah. He's just drilling a hole in the ground. Ugh. And you're just like, well, this is a day, huh? Oh, man, yeah. I'll never forget this. Having a day. This is the best day of my life. Vendors sold peanuts. How am I going to go to sleep tonight with all this excitement? I just shut my eyes and I picture that man digging again. Boy, oh boy, what a ride! Vendors sold peanuts and soda. Get your peanuts and soda for the lamest show on earth! (laughs) And uh, nothing happened. And they all went home that day. But they came back the next day. Woo! 
yesterday was awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's ride that high again. And that's when it happened. First the gurgling. Then the drilling engineer screamed, put out the fires. Put out your cigarettes. Yeah, I was Quick. just, no smoking, please. And well, number three blew into the air. Oh, boy. Now people came from all over to see it. The seven-mile gravel road from the town of Henderson was packed with cars bumper to bumper, everyone going to see. And, and just because they struck the oil. Yeah. Right, okay. Every cop in the area was sent to deal with the crowd. Workers poured in. Nearby Kilgore's population exploded from 700 to 10,000 in two weeks. <laughs> oh, shit. Oil's in the area. That's... Plus, it's the Great Depression, so everyone's like... I think it, or this might be before. Whatever. I'm not talking. I don't know why you're listening to That's me. okay. It was, yeah. Uh, a couple months later, Dad Joyner sold 400 acres for $1,250,000. Not a bad haul. Right? Yeah. Uh, a nearby. In today money, that amounts to fuck you. It's like a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, a nearby area uh, came to be known as Happy Hollow. It was just on the edge of, uh, of the town of. Uh, Kilgore. There were cardboard houses, shacks made of lumber, tents, and I there was no description of what they were, but it said half wall homes. Some I'm assuming that no. people were living in what's essentially a cubicle. TV sets? Half wall They're homes. They're like living on like a like the family matters set essentially. I think it's like a cubicle. You have you have like half of a house? It could be half a house or it could be a, a walls that just go up halfway. It could be either way. It could walls be walls that go up halfway? It could be a half wall. And then what? What you just are? You're well, like it's a cubicle. House. It sounds like you're. Li- you remember? You know those commercials or, where the person gets the cold and they're enormous in their house walking yeah, around. It yeah. sounds like that. It sounds a lot like that. So you either have that, or else it's just a half. I a, like half to picture a, like you want a it to be a half a house. Okay, yeah, that's just, fair. Just half. We'll well, you got half of everything. Between 100 and 300 people lived there, but it was regularly raided by cops. They would clear people out, arrest them, and as soon as they did, more people would just move in. Yeah, yeah. It's you know. New houses were unheard of because working in oil fields paid so much more than construction that there were no workers to build anything. Wow. Locals usually looked down on all the boomers. Right. Of course they did. Yeah. The city cafe would serve men chili made in wash tubs 24 hours a day. Um, one more time. And what? Why, don't eat that chili. The city cafe would serve men chili made in wash tubs. 24 hours a day. So basically, they but just they had a gave them giant... bathtub chili. Yeah, it's bathtub chili, but it's not like there's a guy in the bathtub. They, I'm sure they emptied it out first. That's the, the, you could get a cauldron. Uh, well, they needed something big because there's so many guys wanting chili. Uh, okay, and that's what became known as Fart Town. <laughs> Workers would use napkins that were left by the last customer. Uh huh. Because there weren't enough napkins to go around. So well, you would well, eat why, your why chili. You get in the, well, listen, everyone's doing oil. Why not get in the napkin game? You, <laughs> you see a hole, you plug it. Yeah, but okay. But the restaurant's not going to buy napkins because everyone's just leaving their napkin, and then the next guy's using it. So no, it's just don't, a, don't get in the way of a man in his dream. I'm going to start if, this napkin business. What if to as a way to help the environment? Sure. You went into a Denny's and you used the last guy's napkin. <laughs> do you help? Do you like the environment? I love the environment. Yeah. Okay. I'm willing to do that. Take your... <laughs> I don't mean it. But, I, but I'll tell you, I'm going to eat a lot more delicately. And I will not have a beard anymore. That'll be gone. 
All right, so workers would sit in there and eat. Quote, the mud they tracked in accumulated two inches deep on the floor of the cafe, creating... So they're just eating chili in a mud hut <laughs> out of a bathtub? <laughs> yes. Without napkins? Yes. Or if they are, they just have to use trash as napkins? Yes. So, oh, great. <laughs> Yum. I don't know if I'm eating the chili or the floor. The mud they tracked in accumulated two inches deep on the floor, creating such a mess that the more than 30 newly hired employees only made a half-hearted attempt at scraping it out. Ugh. There was mud because heavy traffic on unpaved streets created massive clouds of dust during dry weather. The dust went everywhere. Then it would rain, and all the dust would turn to mud. It just sounds like a great time. It's a good time to live. Great time. Groceries are hard to come by. Sugar and flour quadrupled in price. You just weren't going to find milk or eggs. Salt water coming from the oil wells killed vegetable gardens. Every business had long lines. It's all coming together. It just sounds great. Hopefully people like oil, because that's all <laughs> there is. Obviously, the tents had no plumbing, so people would just throw their garbage into the street, which made for unsanitary conditions. <sighs> and by garbage, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. But garbage. Keep going. Uh, that's a, in the town of Wink. <laughs> Come on. That's no, what it said. Uh, well, was it, was, was everyone shady official. in the town of Wink? <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to town. Hey, you want to get out of here? Hey, you. Yeah. Huh? What do we? I know the guy who knows the guy. What are we? What's happening right now? Huh? I'm sorry, I'm from Beaumont. I, oh, Beaumont? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I didn't realize you were from I diarrhea. Beaumont, so I just need to find a bathroom. Oh, that'll be 50 cents. Why are you winking? Huh? Is it 50 cents or not? Hey, 50 cents, whenever you get a second, pal. Okay, but you're okay, but you're winking, so I just need to... I'm having a stroke. Price. <laughs> uh, in the town of Wink, the typhoid rate was 10 times the national rate, and dysentery was four times the national rate. <laughs> People living near wells just got used to inflamed eyes and being nauseous all the time. Hey, you got to pay a price. You do. Sorry. Living the dream. You, you want to live the dream where you get to eat tub chili? Sorry. You're going to have you. to look like you've been crying all day. Wait, this is mud. Oh, no. Women wouldn't light matches for fear of fire and cold meals became the norm. Wait, oh, okay. That's because women only cooked. That's what you mean. Yeah. I okay. mean, right. it... The the story basically said that I just cut that. It part must out. it must be so weird to be like. What if there were you were a guy who loved to cook? I mean, you'd have to be like closeted. You just have to be like Anne Frank and Emeril combined, just like slowly, just like grazing some pork shoulder. Nobody responds. Well, you're just stir. You're like making a risotto, and you're like, oh, that's perfect. Well, oh God, they're home. They're home. They're home. That's why barbecue. Put chili in the bathtub. Hurry. That's why barbecue exists, so men can pretend yeah, like they right. like you know. Yeah. I like to cook. I'll do it by a giant yeah, fire. Go out there, big fire. The roar from oil gushers was very loud. In Desdemona, the local paper reported, "Quote: Conversations are shouted." Talking over the phone is almost impossible. What a time. Mothers can't coo their babies, and lovemaking is a problem. Why, why is lovemaking a problem? It's too loud to fuck. Baby, it's never too loud to fuck, baby. Oh, you don't know about oil loudness? <laughs> what? You don't know. I just won't be able to drill you as hard as that thing outside. <laughs> no, it's not even worth it. No, I don't want to. I love it. That's what they put in the paper. Yeah, in the paper. It's in the paper that lovemaking is a problem. So people aren't fucking a lot. I assume it's the noise. Obviously, that has something to do with the drilling. Oil-stained clothes had to be treated with gasoline to remove the oil. What? 
Then they would be rubbed on a washboard and then boiled to get rid of the gas. It could maybe it's not a place to live. <laughs> There's other places to live. Go live your napkin fantasy. Go do anything else. Oh man, we're lucky. What a boom. Anyway, I'm just going to boil my clothes while I eat chili tub. Huh? No, I haven't. No, I'm not. I'm not crying. No, that's just what happens to your eyes here. Oh, don't mind her. She's just pissed because I can't fuck anymore. After you boiled the clothes to get rid of the gas, then you could wash them with soap and water and hang them dry. Then you got to wash your clothes. Yeah, then you had to normal. After wash you put them. gas in them, boiled them, then you could wash them. Yeah. Well, perfect. Two fun steps added. A new called a new town called Joinerville popped up right where all the people had camped out to watch the well blow. Okay. So they just started a town there. Well, <laughs> that's fun. Can we do that now? Henderson, six mile away, six miles away, was also packed. In nearby Lagrange, a local madam, Miss Jessie, started taking chickens as payment. One chicken for one screw was the motto. You know, I I know that prostitution was looked at differently back then. <laughs> But you have to feel kind of demeaned when you see a bird being handed over to fuck you. Now, hold on a minute. I want the whole chicken. I told you I'll give you a few feathers, and then when we're done, I'll give you the full bird. Okay? And you, you want to have coitus? That'll be one whole chicken. One whole chicken. One chicken, please. One hopping around chicken, please. Yep. Pretty soon, chickens were all over the For brothel. a cow, you can do backdoor. The rooster. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon, chickens were all over the brothel. It became known as the chicken ranch. Ugh. What That's kind of... the uh, name came who, from. So you can't That's fuck... That's where the name you, came you from. You can't fuck when something's being drilled near you. Right. But in a house full of chickens, right. no problem. Yeah. Well, those are... Yeah. Okay, sure. The chicken shack. In one town, when a prostitute left a beauty shop, the owner would put a magazine on the seat that she just vacated so a woman of virtue wouldn't have to sit on the same seat. Ooh, that's... That's fucked up, right? I mean... It's fucked up. Yeah. Right? Well, it's... I mean, look, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's gross, and it's weird, and maybe not wrong. And Who plus, knows? I also assume that he had to take a chicken for payment. Yeah, absolutely. The whole currency in this town is Oh, I chickens. look lovely. Here's a turkey. Can I have a bottle of whiskey? Uh, that's a turkey. God damn it. What's going on? I started accepting chicken as currency. I don't know what's. We're all doing it, I guess. I don't know what the fuck's happening. Drilling was everywhere. Many landowners. Not in the bedroom. No, no drilling there. Many landowners divided their property into small mineral leases and gave them to the highest bidder. They were cut into. Amounts as small as one thirty-second of an acre. <laughs> Man, that come on! You're living on a prayer, Jack. What? One thirty-second of an acre. Uh, this is like scratch-offs if they were <laughs> land. <laughs> so fucked up. The odds are just not good. Oil field machinery came in from other states. In Kilgore, wells were drilled in the yards of homes. The Derrick legs touched each other. One city block had 44 wells. 
Dude, what? It's, and it's not like it's on the country. They're just doing it. They're going to start yard. sucking wells into other wells at this it's point. It's just in their yard. Right. Yeah. This is perfect. Can I go outside and play? No. Not if you want to live. You, know, you can't go anywhere. Go get me some chili. Here, take a chicken and go buy me some chili. Oh, you brought home pussy. Here we go. Uh, because of the rule of capture... Wildcatters had to drill wells as quickly as they could once they found oil, or else their neighbor could drill and start sucking it up, too. It's basically like cocaine in Studio 54. It's fucking insane. Yeah. During this time, horses were commonly used to pull cars out of boggy places, which were plentiful because of the dust-mud situation. Locals started putting teams of horses where roads were boggy, then cars would get stuck and the horses would pull them out, and they would charge them a giant fee. <laughs> tow trucks. <laughs> it is tow yeah. trucks. Well, I'll be about five chickens. What, what, no, wait, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. There, sir. Five chickens. I don't have any chickens. What do you mean you ain't got no money? No, I, I have money. You I just have... said you ain't got no chickens. I don't know what... Is this the Twilight Zone? What is this town? Chickens are money, and we're all sucking the land. Now, if you want to fuck this woman... <laughs> Cost you a pretty foul. This practice then led to what became very common in East Texas, toll roads. Landowners would pave the boggy places in roads with logs and then charge anyone to use that part of the road. And there we go. We have our seed. (laughs) And Texas is born. Yeah. Gambling was, of course, a big thing. George Parker Stroker, a local doctor, described it this way. It was ablaze with light. Pimps, professional gamblers, drillers, gunmen, and businessmen stood at the bar drinking, arguing, swearing, and telling filthy stories. Games were being played by tense, excited men. Earnings of a week were tossed on a number or a roll of the dice and lost. Stacks of currency, piles of gold and silver stood in front of eager-eyed players, Numbers were droned. I don't know what that means. The click of the dice, the whirl of the wheel, wild laughter, and oaths filled the air. So they're just Wall fucking Street. Roll, they're roll, yeah, they're rolling in fucking money. Wall Street. And they're just having a fucking great time. Yeah. Itsy Collins was the owner of a gambling house for black people in the town. Quote, lots of colored people had oil if they had retained their mineral rights and they didn't know what to do with the money. Whenever gambling, wherever gambling be at, that's where I be. And when the East Texas oil field opened up, I made my headquarters in Kilgore. I made so much money, I was scared to go to sleep. Oh, fuck. <laughs> didn't know that was an issue. There's, there's one of those problems you don't envision when you suffer from affluenza. I can't sleep. Uh, Too much fucking money. Gas blindness. Sure. And gas-induced death were always possibilities for the workers. Yeah, that makes sense. Gas blindness. Well, that one is new to me. (laughs) It's just where your eyes get gassed out. That seems like you might have a case of the gas blindness. I can't see. Guys would get uh, woozy and then... Just fall down and pass out and go sleepy sleep, and then they die from the gas. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't That's how up, Mike Malloy went. I didn't look up gas blindness, because that one seems just very self-explanatory. Yes, blind from gas. Fist fights in saloons were common, as were shootings. In the town of Ranger, city residents renamed the Daily Times newspaper the Daily Crimes. Cute. Right? Cute. 
Life was so dismal for people in boomtowns that a lawyer named H.P. Bellsford defended a woman who was charged with killing her husband by arguing that it was justified, justifiable homicide because he had brought her to the town and made her live such a terrible life. Uh, uh, wow. That's quite a angle. She was acquitted. Get out. <laughs> well, she had no choice but to kill him. Look at how shitty this place is. Fuck. We are with you, sweetie. Uh, what are you going to do? Let him off the hook? He deserved to die. Oil fires were common in the well, town. Is there anything bad that wasn't common? <laughs> God damn it. Gas blindness was common. Husband murders were you know happening. What's terrible uh, is when there's a, when you have gas blindness and there's an oil fire. Yeah, or if totally. you have gas blindness and your wife's trying to kill you. It's horrible. In the town of White Oak, rain led to runoff into a slush pit full of oil. Ugh. Then lightning hit near the pit and the oh, oil lucky. caught on fire. Oh, lucky. The continuing rain and the now boiling slush pit caused burning oil to run down the main street. Hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Ah, uh, just another Thursday, boys. Gotta crack a few eggs, right? <laughs> Still, even with all that. Could have done without that lightning strike that in retrospect. Was that was really a, kind of the nail in the coffin, if you think about it. Not a good thing. <laughs> Still, even with all that, when there was a new gusher, people would drive out to see it. Of course, because we are idiots. Fucking morons. Uh, Joiner's Well was the first in what would turn out to be a major new oil field. It was 42 miles long and 12 miles across. Wow. Prices plummeted from 350 a barrel to 25 cents a barrel. <laughs> but of course, the wildcatters kept drilling wells and producing more oils. While the big guys, the companies, called for rationing. They said the wildcatters were selfish and short sighted. The, uh, the Listen, wild... they're wildcats. They're wildcats. What do you do? They're Sorry. The name, the you knew the cat. deal. It ain't. I was going to say a really bad joke, and I stopped myself. That a boy. What was it? Now that you were going to say it, we know that you thought... It's not domesticated dog. We're all glad you didn't do it. Right? It would it would have been horrible. Not good. So I did... I did. You pulled You pulled out. I stopped myself. You pulled out. I'm happy I did. You pulled out. And we found out what I would have done. Inside the mind of a comic. <laughs> uh, the Wildcatters... Uh, God, I hate autocorrect. Don't worry. Okay, the Wildcatters, and this is obviously going to surprise uh, people coming from a place like Texas, Texas said um, this was about the sanctity of private property rights. Yeah, exactly. This is, uh, fuck you. This is principle-based. Thank you. I can do what I want on my land. Yeah. But we're all starving to death. What can you do? That's you. Try to take my freedom from me. They, the Wildcatters said the big companies wanted to execute Every little independent operator in exactly. You're trying to kill small business. It's it's it's. They're nice. killing small business. It's nice that nothing has changed. Nothing. In April 1931, the Railroad Commission decided that a limit of 160 thousand barrels a day uh, should be produced from East Texas wells. So they're trying to put a fucking cap on cap it. on the shit yeah. to get the prices back up. The commission was immediately hit with 40 lawsuits. Wow, it's a lot. That is a lot. It's a good amount. The federal courts granted temporary injunctions and stopped the limits. So there's no stopping the oil producers. There were 500 new wells being drilled a month, and the commission only had six guys and their assistants out in the field. That's enough. 
and ch- on June first, nineteen thirty-one, there were one thousand two hundred wells producing five hundred thousand barrels of oil a day. That was fifteen percent of complete <laughs> domestic consumption. <laughs> the price of oil plummeted to fifteen cents per barrel. How many chickens? In so- <laughs> In some parts of Texas, oil only costs two point six cents a barrel. Oh my God! The industry considered a barrel a barrel of oil for two point six cents. <laughs> Fuck! Uh, Not even three. No. Can, can we please round it up? No. Can we please round it up? No. I don't have a two point. and a half cents. I don't have a half for a, c- a barrel. I don't have half water's a c- more expensive. Okay, I guess I'll give you two barrels for five cents. Okay, got my eye on that chicken too. The industry considered $1 to be the bare minimum for profitable oil production. So close to profit. <laughs> so knocking on the door. In June 1931, a federal court ruled that the Railroad Commission was attempting to regulate the market of oil instead of oil production that threatened geologic integrity, which is what they're supposed to do. Right. They told them to knock it off. The state conservation law of 1929 only allowed the commission to regulate physical waste but in, tru- in, in the truth, both were true. The fuel oil pressure was being compromised. But the courts were like, no, it's America. So Freedom. Everybody get what they want. Freedom. The founder of Humble Oil, who was now the Texas governor. Not so humble. Ross Sterling called a special session of the legislature. They passed the Oil and Gas Conservation Act. Under the act, the Railroad Commission was given the power to regulate oil production. Rumors started that landowners and 1,500 oil producers were organizing to dynamite drilling rigs and pipelines of those who were overproducing oil. Oh, shit. What? That's how you get them to stop drinking the milkshake. Shit's about to get Blow the straw up. Blow that shit up. Humble Oil hired armed security to protect its property. Governor Sterling then mobilized state troops. Fuck. From Sterling's proclamation. There exists an organized and entrenched group of crude petroleum and natural gas producers who are in a state of insurrection against the conservation laws of the state and are in open rebellion against the effort to enforce such laws. It is necessary for the preservation of the petroleum, oil, and natural gas that the reckless and illegal exploitation be stopped until such a time as the said resource may be properly conserved. I do hereby declare martial law. Exactly. In order to stop the recklessness, make it legal to put dynamite underground. Thank you. Yes. In order to stop all this lawlessness, no laws. No laws. So I do hereby declare martial law and direct Brigadier General... Jacob F. Walters, to, without delay, shut down each and every oil and gas-producing well in the East Texas field. Okay. So he's trying to shut down all the wildcats. Yeah. 4,000 troops from the Texas National Guard. Holy shit. And the Texas Rangers were sent to enforce the production levels. Jesus. They came on horses because rains had made the roads impassable. Great. Now, General Walters was a member of the State National Guard, obviously, which means he had a day job, too. Sure. And his day job was working as general counsel for Texaco. Perfect. So there's no... No problem there. No, there's no... Crossover issue. General Walters wrote, quote, All men have openly said that if the governor could not hold the field down, they were going to take charge of it themselves hang a few sons of bitches, and if necessary, dynamite pipelines and save this field from destruction and save the oil industry. So, not playing it coy. It's getting, yeah. Letting it out there. 
General Walters didn't allow any protests and started hunting arsonists who had started burning down buildings. Jesus. It's just a good time. It's just a great time to live in Texas. It sounds fucking awesome. I'm good. Walters also banned the wearing of beach pajamas. Thank God someone had to. (laughs) Somebody had to stop the beach pajamas. Hey, by the way, what are beach pajamas? Uh, beach p- pajamas were born by, worn by prostitutes. What? Uh, I couldn't figure out what they were. Beach pajamas? I mean, I just assume... You can tell she's a whore. Look, she's got a beach PJs on. <laughs> oh, are you going down the beach to sleep? Oh, God. Beach pajamas. Go get a chicken. Texas Ranger Manuel Lone Wolf Gonzalez... So real name sense. being, I, I feel like he works. Real name being, alone. yeah, Man, uh, Manuel Lone Wolf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he raided tents and arrested three hundred people. Since there wasn't a jail big enough, he oh, made God. his own. What? What? He just built a jail. This guy making a jail. Quote: He had full walls. Quote: He turned the old Baptist church into a jail. We chopped a hole in the floor up near where the pulpit is, and then a hole down the back. And run a chain. Old Malcolm Krim used to have it in front of the store where you tie up your horses to it. So they got the chain from old Malcolm Krim. Malcolm gave us all the padlocks we wanted with one key and put the chain around the prisoners' necks. Up where the pulpit is, I put a man up there sitting with a shotgun. In parentheses, laughs. He laughed at that part. That's a very funny part, to be fair. Hilarious. That's the jokey part. It's very funny. And he never let nobody off that line. They came in there to open joints, a string of girls, or open up gambling houses. They came to rob the working boys out of their money. They were just thugs from all over. Now, we didn't put working boys in jail. We did have a way of telling between a working boy and one who wasn't working. Beach pajamas. Beach pajamas. We got them even so where they'd put their hands out when you stopped them. And you know what? I just put my hand on there, and if you had calluses, I'd say, go ahead, boy, and go about your business now. Behave yourself. Fuck. Well, that's an easy way to get out of jail. So just to sum up, if you were a criminal with calluses, you're fucking scot-free. Yeah. Anybody who had ever worked at anything, if you had calluses, you're good. It was not a moisturizer's time to thrive. It was not a moisturizer's time at all. No. And And by the way, this jail sounds really good enough to code. (laughs) While we're taking a time out. Just 300 guys chained around the neck yep, in a church. with a guy who's just got a shotgun like he's about to shoot fish in a fucking barrel. That is a funny part. <laughs> Independent oilman Walt Watson uh, Wise described Lone Wolf Gonzalez. Quote, he came down to Kilgore, one man, and shot about three people and cleaned the place out. He used to show me his finger and say it gets itchy. He'd give you a warning, and if you didn't heed, he'd shoot you. Sometimes he would just shoot you in the leg. Wow. So Lone Wolf's he's he's doing playing, his thing. He's playing, what, what do you want? He's a lone wolf. Yeah, well, he's, he's the law. That's the law. Yeah. In case you're wondering who that guy was. The law. That was the law. Right. Humble Oil's William Farish, disturbed by the goings-on, said, <laughs> quote, If an inhabitant from Mars were to visit us, he could hardly escape a feeling of bewilderment if not actual dismay at the manner we earthlings carry on this great enterprise so essential to our convenience and welfare. 
he's right. That Martian's head's going to be spinning. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people got on board with that message. They were like, can you... Hey, what's the deal with the Martian? Uh... Well, just, you know, I'm trying to say that if, you know, uh, they, uh, someone from another world wouldn't understand right. how we work. And I just thought Martian was a are great way to... Are about the chickens? You're, boy, we are not on the same page. So... Well, what about just like someone from Oregon? Would that be enough? Why does a person have to be from Mar- I just I, don't, don't... I just kind of like the idea of a Martian. But how does that person get here? The Martian? Yeah, I'm having problems with... Uh, I would the... think probably via some sort of spacecraft. I mean, I, I, my guess would be a spacecraft. Their spacecraft would crash. Like a car and then that they... goes in the like air? Like a flying air car, sure, yeah. What if it gets stuck in the mud? You get sky horses. Pegasus. Okay, I guess, I guess so. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad we did this. I am too. On October 13th, 1931, a lawsuit was brought against the Railroad Commission, the Attorney General, and Brigadier General Walters to end the limits on production. A federal judge then issued issued a restraining order. Oh, boy. But because uh, it's Texas Governor Sterling, and, you know, it's Texas. He didn't listen. He refused to recognize the court's authority and continue with martial law. Sure. A newspaper wrote, Governor Sterling today said that only orders from President Hoover or the United States Supreme Court can halt state regulation of oil production, despite the federal... Despite the fact that federal is over state. (laughs) But martial law only went on for another month. Walters got bored and went home. In November 1931, Sterling withdrew all the troops and ended martial law. Okay. The Railroad Commission continued to issue limits on production, but it couldn't be enforced. Oil was hauled they just couldn't stop it even with all right. the troops there oil was hauled from wells at night and no taxes were being paid on it the refineries kept no records of their purchases employees of the railroad commission threatened uh, were threatened uh, with violence by men with shotguns when they went to refineries at one of the plants commission inspectors were turned away one day and when they came back the next day with a warrant they found the owners had cut down the steel stairway to the top of the tank <laughs> Oh, we were going to do that renovation anyway, boys. Timing, huh? <laughs> oh, what a shame. I guess you can't find out. Oh, well. Anyways. In March 1933, a federal judge restrained the oil commission from inspecting all wells in the East Texas oil field. The U.S. oil industry was facing economic collapse. On July 14, 1933, FDR signed an executive order to enforce the regulation of crude production federal investigators were sent to check out the situation they found that the industry was in a state of quote utter demoralization and its failure threatened the general economic situation in the country oh, good just because by the way this is the free market if anybody wants to know capitalism the free mar- baby. this is the free market capitalism at work. Yeah. if anybody if anybody wants to know what the free market at work looks like this is the free market at work uh, dave quit trying to put a cap on the american <laughs> dream so with federal inspectors now trying to enforce limits, the East Texas field reported its greatest production year. 11,867 wells produced. Where wasn't a well? I, I mean, you see the pictures. They're fucking. The, I mean, cr- on wells. Crazy. Yeah. So the, that amount of wells produced 200. And sixteen million oh my god two hundred and ninety one thousand three hundred and ninety seven barrels of oil. And on top of that, bootleg oil that they couldn't keep track of. Right, like the B sides. Was being cranked out about five hundred thousand barrels a day. Jesus. Oil industry leaders and others pushed to have the Secretary of Interior declared the oil dictator. 
<laughs> and to nationalize the oil industry as a public utility. One nineteen thirty three telegram to the White House from an oil producer said, quote, we want an oil dictator. <laughs> a Texas railroad commissioner said the commission was now completely helpless. Good. President Roosevelt then issued an executive order, the Petroleum Code, prohibiting the interstate transportation of illegally produced oil above the allowable limit. Okay. That'll stop it. Yeah, no, just saying don't is good. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it now. Congress then passed an oil tax in 1933. This gave the feds the rights to look at the books of oil producers and refineries. That way they could figure out who was selling and buying illegal oil, which is also known as hot oil. Mm, yeah. Federal employees watched fields at night for activity. It didn't change anything. Hundreds of thousands of barrels of hot oil was being produced and sold. Well, still. Another lawsuit was filed, and they got an injunction stopping the government from looking at their books. Then Congress <laughs> stepped, right? Well, it's just, it's the so, it's courts. so, but it's so funny to hear the, because it, think about if it was something that was, like, if it was something that the, we did, like, gas or yeah. electricity to have oil be one of those things would be such a different fucking world yeah as opposed to now uh, another lawsuit was filed they got an injunction then congress stepped in and passed the Connolly hot oil act which gave the federal government the power to enforce the directives of the texas railroad commission I like how there's so many things that are getting passed just so the government can do shit just anything they're just just anything <laughs> like yeah State governors and oil company executives formed the Interstate Oil Compact to stabilize the industry with a steady supply of oil, predictable prices, and minimal federal interference. The acceptance of the Connolly Hot Oil Act in the IOC marked the end of the oil wars and the beginning of the era of regulation. And with that, oil production became profitable again. As for Columbus Marion Joyner, who sold... Right. The 400 acres for 1.2 million, whatever. In cash. Uh, well, he actually didn't get it in cash. He was actually just given 30000 in cash mm -hmm. and the rest in promissory notes and future oil payments. Oh, that's fine. Uh, IOUs and pieces of paper? Yeah. That's as good as cash. Joyner spent the rest of his life looking for another East Texas oil field and died nearly broke. You really know how to end him on a high note. Oh, I'm not done. 2016. Oh, Jesus. Texas Governor Greg Abbott began pushing for a constitutional convention to weigh what he has labeled, quote, the Texas plan. Oh, God. Made up of nine constitutional amendments, he says, will, quote, reign in the federal government and restore the balance of power between the states and the United States. One proposal, prohibit Congress from regulating activity that occurs wholly within a state. What? Yeah, they're fucking idiots because they don't know history. Read your fucking history books, you dipshits. Wait. This is what the fucking... That's such a great, like... Uh, yeah. That's quite a move. Today... I love how they love... The, people love... The people who love the Constitution the most are also... Like, when it comes to certain things, are also willing to just amend it whenever yep. need be well, for let's their change it. Game. I love it, but let's completely change it's it. It's a perfect else. document. Here's nine it new holds, holds amendments. Thing. We need one more thing. Today, Saudi Arabia is flooding the world with oil, plunging oil prices with the goal of hurting U.S. oil producers. They want to kill off shale oil producers in the United States of America. That would be good, though. Yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. 
let's it's it's time. It's time for the OD so we can go to rehab. Um yeah. Well, that's a very uh it sounds interesting like interesting origin story, David. It sounds like pre-regulation things were pretty fucking great. Yeah, and it you know sounds I mean? like we need to go back to that. And this is why regulation is bad. If you well, get drift, it's the government. They got their hands all over. They're just kind of like it's kind of like if you know, you're going to have a party do you really want, you need someone there to watch you, you party? I would also like to point out, there's a very common myth that uh, corporations are against regulation when the actual reality is corporations are the ones who push for and create regulation. And this is an example. Yeah. The big companies wanted regulation because it was just insane and right. no one was making any money. Right. Companies want regulations. Yes. For things for, like this. Right. Yeah. Well, it's strange when you're on the side of the big corporations. <laughs> Isn't it? Vote Hillary. Anything to say, Jose? No, what do you got, Jose? I oh, just licking your foot? Yeah, just foot licking, head wiping. Oh, God. You know, that's how I clean my ears. Ah, this is awkward. I just lick my hand and I rub on my ears. Okay, we're good. So we can end this one. Oh, he's licking his neck. What a freak. Dude. Who licks their neck? He's a beautiful prince. All right, you guys. We're signing cars. Thank you. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 